does this feel exciting, fun, collaborative, and generative to us? Like, yes, that means that we should do it as long as we have the resources to do it. You're listening to the Not Yet Podcast, a bi-weekly show exploring the relationship between creativity and spirituality. I'm your host, Paige Polk, an Emmy Award-winning experience director, helping you honor the dreams you have for yourself and your community. You're in the right place if you have the courage to believe in a world you haven't yet seen. I'm so grateful you're here. Now let's start the show. It is summer of 2023 and Not Yet is back. Thank you for holding space for me during our hiatus. As you know, we have a break in between every single season. So summer, fall, winter, spring for us to regroup, recharge, and I am back ready to hit it with this creativity talk and dreams with you. And I have an announcement because, drumroll please, Not Yet is transitioning to Patreon. I'm bringing the platform over to Patreon because you responded in our community survey that we sent out over the spring. And you guys want to support this work. You want to support these big dreams, our community meetups, our creativity festivals, our self-exploration events and retreats. These are just the dreams for the future, not to mention what we're already doing with our bi-weekly podcast and our intentional living newsletters that get sent straight to your inbox. So if you want to keep supporting this work, if you want to be a part of the dream, if you want to be a part of the future and interact directly with this beautiful community of folks passionate about intentional living, visit and support our Patreon at notyetseries.com. The minimum that you can support us with a month is $5, which is, you know, a morning coffee. And I would love to have your help bringing these dreams to life and talking to you every two weeks. Now let's get into this episode with Eliza Abarbanel. Welcome back to the Not Yet Podcast, and I am joined today by an exciting new friend, a new guest, Eliza Abarbanel. Hi, Eliza. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for being here. Um, it is a true testament to the internet um, that we have found each other. Uh, I stumbled across a relatively new-ish project of yours cake scene um on the internet and I was so delighted that there's somebody out here who is has such a beautiful eye who is bringing up full conversations about pleasure uh and bridging it with something that's such that's so accessible like food uh and doing it in a way that feels tangible uh and I wanted to talk with you about the process of building something that is so, it feels very personal. It feels very real and authentic, uh, but you can definitely tell that there's so much love and there's so many contributors that come into this space. But before we dive into that multifaceted conversation, uh, I wanted to read your bio that you sent over to the listeners just to get a brief overview of who's Eliza. <laughs> oh man, okay, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Eliza is a freelance writer and editor based in Brooklyn. She's the co-founder and co-editor of Cake Zine, the executive director of Girls Night In, a contributing editor at Taste, and a former editor at Bon Appetit. 
Her writing has appeared in New York Magazine, GQ, Food and Wine, Eater, the Los Angeles Times, and the New York Times. So that's the black and white version of Eliza. Mm -hmm. uh, but can you tell me what's missing in that bio? Ooh, I feel like this is a trick question. <laughs> it's not, I swear. Uh, I mean, like all of the humanness, like that's like me on paper in terms of like, if you've read a publication I've worked at um, and maybe like the name dropping that people do in the industry, right? So that you can have a certain degree of like, this is who this person likes to work with. I think that like maybe the personal side of me that connects to my work is just that I'm a very curious and pleasure-driven person. I love culture in so many different kinds of forms. Uh, food is kind of the majority of my professional work, but I originally did music writing. That was my way into the industry and music and movies and hang out in the park, like all these kind of tangible elements of life that are unessential, but kind of deeply essential to our human experience is really what I'm fascinated in. And I think that if you would find me like outside of work hours, I would still be kind of in pursuit of sensory experience. Ah, you ever have moments where you realize that you're speaking to the exact person that you need to be speaking to? <laughs> yeah maybe right now <laughs> well um that's wonderful um the this project um this podcast is part of the project it's called not yet and it's a community healing project and it started six years ago um it started six years ago and it has evolved through different platforms through different places uh, through different industries, but the core essence of it has been about living a mindful, purposeful life. Like what are the practices and the communities and the experiences that help you feel grounded in reality and connected? So it really is delightful to me, uh, that you're thinking about the human experience, whether you're writing or whether you're living. Yeah, I feel like, um, how can I not, right? We're all humans, like, trying to experience things. Maybe some people are more than others. I definitely think that, like, that's a common pursuit for myself. And then people that I care about in the world in general are people that are just endlessly curious and looking for new experiences and, like, deepening their connections. Well, can you, well, let's just go ahead and jump in to, like, your most recent project, Cake Scene. Uh, this is a project that you are uh co-editors you're co you are co-editing uh and so you have a fair bit of creative control when it comes to the experience of the zine like the purpose the mission um and the impact that you hope that it wants to make what do you think is the through line between your focus on the human experience and what you're building with cake scene yeah, I guess like some maybe helpful context in terms of how the project came about is it really was rooted in wanting to collaborate with friends. Um, and I thought it was going to be the sense silly now, but it, I thought it was going to be really small. I thought we were going to write it ourselves and print it at a local print shop and just have that be it. Um, the, my main collaborators are Tanya Bush, who is a baker, pastry chef and writer here in New York with me. And then our friend Noah Emmerich, who's our creative director who is now based in Paris and he does 
the design and kind of the visual component of the magazine, how it, it feels when you hold it as well, I think is something he spends a lot of time on. And I think that we just thought it would be fun to do this project together. And then over time, we had more and more people in our professional and personal orbits whose work we really admire, who heard about what we were doing and thought it would be fun to contribute in that same way. And I think that that is also reflective of the topic that we have chosen to focus on broadly, which is dessert and baking and food with like a very specific narrow lens. Um, we started with cake and we did two issues last year, Sexy Cake and Wicked Cake, um, which maybe as the name would suggest, the first one is about the intersection of sexuality and dessert and cake specifically. And then Wicked Cake is the dark side. So witchcraft, murder, poisonings, diet culture, colonialism, all these different topics. Um, and I think that the reason why cake is so much fun to start with in that way is that it's this thing that doesn't have a lot of nutritional value that is like not really going to be a part of like what you need to survive, but that in so many individual experiences and so many cultures and communities around the world over time, cake is so significant. You can't have a wedding without it or a birthday or a funeral or all of these other strange interactions. Um, and so I think that both the magazine and the content is essential on its face but when you get into it like it really is core to a lot of human experiences and culture and that just makes it really fun to kind of dig into in that way you're right I have had cake at a funeral before you're right I have yeah what kind of cake was it it was vanilla it was like a vanilla sheet cake which I think was one for ease of uh, like just because there's lots of people at a funeral, uh, and you don't want to distract with this ornate behemoth of like, it's not, it's not a wedding cake situation where it's not all about beauty, yeah. but there is something about needing sweetness and needing comfort, um, in mourning. And you even have cake at children's birthday parties. Uh, it's a lot brighter, there's a lot more leeway for fun and there's a lot more leeway for creativity. I like this and I'm so glad that it exists. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad you feel that way. I think that like the thing that's been most surprising to us about the project has been the interest in it, especially here in New York, where a lot of our contributors are based. We do a lot of big launch parties that are very well attended. I think that um, this was a project we started in the pandemic. And I think like as the world has started to come back together, people really wanted to gather and gather around food and have unique experiences. And I think that both the magazine itself and the larger orbit is kind of uh, reflective of that. Okay, so the project began um, rooted in community. Uh, folks that you genuinely or like want to work with, want to spend time with, and also value their craft. And you are now at issue three, is that correct? Yeah, out awesome. now. Oh, wow, out now. Uh, I wanna, my, I'm of two minds, okay? So I'm gonna share both of my minds with you, and then you can tell me which mind you're most excited by. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So one mind is um, I'm curious. I, I'm curious about the iteration, the third iteration. Um, 
what building issue three has revealed to you about the premise of cake scene? Because, you know, in the act of creation, you get to discover more about what your real intentions are. And I'm also curious uh, about the sort of the logistics side of building a project that has so many components and so many collaborators um, with you being, I guess, like when I think of an editor or even like a communications director, I think of someone who is a curator. Like it's not a matter of like, I tell you what we're doing and you go do this order of operations. It's like, okay, I have an essence that I want to portray and I want to lean on your skills, like the people in the team, like the other writers, the other editors, uh, the designers to bring the essence to life. And I'm also curious about how that process has developed for you as a co-editor. So those are my two minds. Where I mean, I like them? both of them. <laughs> I like both of them. I think that we could talk about both if you want. I don't know if there's one you want to start with. Uh, let's start in chronological. Let's start with um, what, what, let's start with what the third issue has revealed to you about the essence of Cake Scene. Yeah, I really liked what you said about how the process of creation can evolve the premise because as I maybe alluded to before, we didn't really spend a lot of time thinking about, we weren't thinking about building a full magazine. We wanted to make like two issues of something and just do it for fun and see how it went. And so even the name Cake Scene, which is something that we just came up with because we were making a magazine about cake, isn't really accurate anymore because our third issue is called Humble Pie and it's all about pie. So we're called Cake Scene, but there's no cake in this issue at all. Um, and I think that moving forward, we're continuing to be interested in like expanding our premise. I think we'll always have a niche baking related theme, but I think that it's so fun to refract it further and further. Um, so I think on the face level, like that's a really clear example of how the premise has evolved over time. And I think another example is that we did the first issue completely soliciting from people in our network because it was completely unfunded and we didn't want to be like asking strangers to write for free. And then just by nature of the project catching on with people, it's been able to be self-funded mostly through D2C sales and also some advertisement. So now we do have a small editorial budget. So every issue is open to pitches and submissions. And we receive a lot of submissions, hundreds, because we only do two issues a year and people are interested in being a part of that. And I think that shifting from a situation where I'm soliciting writers who I kind of know their style, or I think they might have a connection to something to just opening up the floodgates and seeing what content comes back in has been a big shift because our tent has just um, gotten larger because of that. So Humble Pie, uh, when do you remember the moment you decided to shift from, in this issue anyway, from into exploring different realms of sweets? Hmm. You know, Tanya, who's my counterpart, my co-founder and the co-editor, is also like one of my best friends and we have a very generative friendship where we will one of the uh, logistical things that I guess we could talk about is that I moved us over to slack we did our first issue entirely in a google like a group chat which is crazy to think about because it's so many moving pieces but I, I've done some things to try to separate like our work brains and our friendship but it does flow between a lot so I think that there's probably been many moments that we've been out at dinner with friends or like on the subway leaving something and we've just started talking about 
ideas and things flow that way. So I don't remember a specific moment that we decided we wanted to move outside of cake. But I would say that, um, you know, we came up with the two themes, sexy and wicked cake at once. We wanted them to be twin counterpart issues. And I think as we started working on wicked cake and getting the pitches in, obviously tonally sexuality and wickedness are very different. And we intentionally chose pieces that were very different. But I think that a lot of the sentiment people can say about cake um, can get a little repetitive. And we just wanted us and also our readers to be continually excited by what we were doing. And we just thought that um, Humble Pie was a fun name and concept also. Tell me more about the concept. Well, I think, um, you know, there's the idiom eating humble pie. That's pretty familiar to most people, right? Which is uh, getting your comeuppance or being kind of brought down to earth in some kind of way. And I think we like the idea of taking something that was a little familiar that, you know, our all of our covers are, uh, I have my magazines with me. All of our covers are text-based covers. So they just say sexy cake. The Wicked Cake one looks like a haunted book. You can like barely see it. And then humble pie. So we want a phrase that people will see in a bookshop or be excited to pick up further. And I think we also were interested in this idea of humility and like that really not having much meaning in modern society. Like I think the most common time you hear somebody say, I'm humbled to be here is when they're accepting an award or running for president or these situations that are like actually not very humble at all. They're just kind of <laughs> trying to claim humi humility because uh, they don't want to seem like they're out of touch or above other people. So I think that we thought it'd be fun to take something that is really familiar, but also doesn't have a lot of meaning and then see what kind of meaning people want to imbue that with. And also pie itself is a baked good. It doesn't have frosting. It doesn't have three layers. You're not cutting into it at a wedding. It's kind of inherently humble in some way. So I think that it just felt um, different. Your, like, your experience talking about like co-developing the concept for humble pie sort of naturally feeds into the second question, which is about the process of having a vision or wanting to curate while relying, like not just wanting to work with, but relying on the ideas and generosity of your readers and uh, pitches. How do you think that showed up distinctly with the third issue? Well, I would say like in addition there's maybe a couple orbits of cake scene. There's myself and Tanya and our uh, creative director, Noah, that we are meeting every week. We are involved in all of the sections of the business. And then there's other people that are our core team, Dominique Evans, who does social media with us, Amber Lee, that does like our distribution and marketing. Um, and then from there, Danielle Levy and Casey Paganelli that do event production. Like there's people that we bring in every time. And then there's the people that pitch for one issue and they're a part of cake scene, but they have like one thing that they're doing with us. And I think that as we have gotten bigger and we've brought in more people, that just means that there's more people in the room when we're looking at the lineup and trying to decide, we received 350 pitches, like we were only gonna run 17. How are we gonna make that lineup? Like that's not just three of us in a room, that's our all of our contributing editors, maybe a group of seven or eight people that's looking at a short list of pitches and doing that from there. So I think that um, just having, more and more people that understand what we're doing and are supportive and that we like trust them to do that work has just made this issue stronger because uh, it's just impossible to do everything, especially like everybody that works on this has 
as a freelancer like myself and has other gigs or has a full-time job, like it's nobody's full-time project. So I think if it's going to be strong and also be multidisciplinary, you just need more people to make it happen. Has the process of building this team been organic as well? Completely. I think that um, Dominique is somebody that uh, we've just known for a while, like all working in food media. And Amber actually came up to us. We were doing a zine sale, uh, you know, Diaspora Co., like the spice company. They were doing a holidays uh, zine market with us and a couple of their publications. And we just met her there and she had done distribution at Whetstone Magazine. And we just kind of became friends and started talking about it more. And then uh, she was looking for a new project and kind of wanted to come in and help out. So we've never done like a call to hire. We we don't, we don't pay anybody's salaries. Like we don't, I feel like we're not really ready at that stage. And it's also kind of not how we're operating. It's just been that people have, um, want to learn more and that we've had good conversations with them and it's just kind of been organic. How do you feel like uh, Pigzine is feeding you? I mean, it's like the excuse to do whatever we want, kind of, which is so amazing. And I think that, you know, the reason why I wanted to do Pigzine personally is that I had just left my staff job at Condé Nast at Bon Appetit. I was going freelance. I was really burnt out. And I liked the idea of a project that um, I didn't have oversight on, that it could be like whatever we wanted it to be. And I think that the other exciting thing about Cake Zine is that it's not just a magazine. We do merch, we do events in different cities. We have a newsletter, we have social media. And the magazine itself isn't traditional food magazine, right? There's poetry, there's fiction in this new issue. There's essays, there's recipes, there's illustration comics and it's just that as long as it has a point of view and it's thoughtful and well done and it fits into the theme then it makes sense for us and I think that like that's a huge privilege to be able to do that and I find that to be really exciting that um I'm, I don't have a situation where I'm saving ideas for later right if we want to for our last issue we made um t-shirts that were merch for a recipe that Sola Awali did that was a death by chocolate cake um but we wanted to do or I just had like a late night idea that was like, oh, it would be so fun if we did a vintage like Metallica style metal band t-shirt, but for a cake recipe instead of for a band. And then we just made those shirts and they've been really popular and kind of like a cult thing that we do. And I think that's really fun for me that I can have like a late night, maybe it's silly, maybe it's actually good idea. And then I have collaborators that I work with that like the silly ideas, see them as valuable. And then our audience as well um, is a fan of them. The work you're doing feels like a crossover of like grunge sentiment with extreme attention to detail and process. Yeah, I would, I love that. I would say we're very DIY, but also glossy, which seems like it shouldn't make sense. But because we all care very deeply about it and we do two issues a year, I think it's a case that like when you hold our our magazine, it feels like a book in your hand. It's almost a hundred pages. It's printed in an expensive way like we could do it cheaper but we want it to be like a beautiful object that you sit down and spend time with but because we don't have um, you know we're entirely self-funded we don't have any like big advertisers or anybody telling us what to do and it's very much coming from the spirit of play and fun I think it does kind of have that DIY attitude which is also just an attitude that I 
you know, grew up in the DIY scene. I've always been interested in that. Um, a lot of our collaborators are freelance bakers or DJs or tattoo artists or other people that I think also have that kind of DIY spirit. Okay. It's all coming together. <laughs> it's all coming I think it's like, it's the kind of thing that, um, I mean, we just met, but people that know me that then discover the magazine, I think like the biggest compliment that any of us get is that it feels like we made it, um, which is like, we are all multidisciplinary curious people. And that's what the product hopefully feels like as well. Well, I'm excited to read it. Yeah, I have to send you the copy of Humble Pie that I have here is like straight off the airplane. Most of them are coming by boat because we print in the UK. So we're like waiting for them to cross the ocean, which is a very nerve wracking experience. But I think by the time this, this episode comes out, they will be landed in the US, shipping direct to people happening. What do you think has been the most um, like surprising part of creating this project with your team? Oh, I mean, I would not even really say I'm an, I am an editor and that I edit the magazine, but I think the most of the work that I do is like being a producer or a creative director, or like, I would hate to say girl boss. Like I, I'm a very reluctant girl boss, but that is probably the biggest surprise is that I think when I've been on staff at publications, all the work of production and distribution marketing like that was being done by a different department we were just making the magazine and the magazine would come out and then we would make the next one but in reality making the magazine is just the first half of the job and then there's paying sales tax on that and getting it to distribution and setting up shopify and kind of all of the logistical components that um are not something that i had ever thought about before so that's definitely the biggest surprise i hear that i hear that my um my background has been in um, digital media and for so long I focused on the different pieces that go into creating a video or a film or a podcast, for example, like the actual media itself. And when I was sort of thrust, yeah, that feels like an accurate word because it was not, I didn't choose this life. When I was thrust into the position of like, okay, so if media is just the item, what are the other parts of the experience that people need to have touch points with in order to receive the work, to engage with the work, to feel inspired by the work? Uh, I'm realizing more and more just how valuable and creative that process can be. Yeah, I think it can be very creative. It's definitely valuable because you need to do it to get the work out to people. Um, to be quite honest, sometimes I feel like someone else should be doing it. Like when I had to register a business in the state of New York, I'd never done that before. I was just on the phone with, you know, New York State all the time, and that was a moment <laughs> where I was like, I wish someone else could do this, but you know, there's only there's only three of us, and it's going to be me. Um, but I do think that it is very rewarding that. Um, I know how to do these things now. And I think that like, if I was going back on staff at a publication, even if I wasn't going on press to see it being printed, I would understand more of that. And I think that like, just understanding a full loop as opposed to just part of it is always helpful knowledge. Sure. So you're freelance writing now outside of 
take scene. Uh, how do you feel that the work of this sort of this sort of community project uh, fuels into your other writing? Yeah, it's a great question. To be honest, I'd, I haven't done a ton of writing this year. I think that actually making the magazine just takes a lot of creative energy and my time. And I have a couple contributing editor jobs that I think you ran through at the top even. Um, so I'm on staff at Chase as a contributing editor. And I also do their podcast, actually. Um, so that's been like maybe one fun example of how everything can relate. Because, uh, you know, I just did an interview last week with Janae Kaikai, who has a bakery called Pella Kitchen here in Brooklyn that I've loved her work as a baker for a while. She's making a cake that will be at the next cake scene launch party. And I know that she's been going to West Africa a lot and doing pop-ups there and bringing back ingredients and kind of exploring uh, African diaspora food through her pop-up. That's not something we've talked about through cake scene, but because of cake scene, I've learned about that. So then I was able to bring her onto the taste podcast and kind of use that connection and that knowledge to uh, give her a different platform and like have a different kind of conversation than what we would do on cake scene. And I think that uh, as somebody whose work is based in knowing people and connections and like looking for stories, like the more expansive I can be because I have different platforms and different worlds that I'm occupying is always a good thing. A lot of the people who listen to this podcast, um, well, I actually have, I have a very strong understanding of the people who listen now because we actually just did a, <laughs> we just did a survey, which is like such a, such a wild experience, first of all, like sitting down and writing a survey. I felt very kitschy, but I also felt immensely grateful because I knew that people would actually read the words I was writing down. And there's folks from all over when it comes to industry, people who work in education, people who work in food service, tech, um, stay-at-home parents. Like it's not so much that the where it's industry specific, it's more so an approach to life that I'm really gathering that people are gathering around uh when it comes to this work. And it's about how do we live this fruitful life? How do we have a a life that is rooted in joy, where joy is the fuel that lights us up. It's the fuel that gets us through the challenges that are inevitable. Um, and how can we actively and intentionally contribute to the world from a place of love and connection? And so it's very exciting to hear just sort of the poetry of how this project has developed, is developing, and that even your approach to not even just writing, but your approach to creating uh, is rooted in connection. That's really lovely. Oh, that means a lot to hear. I don't know if you buy into astrology, but I feel like my astrological chart is very much inclined towards that, which is always like funny when you read something and you feel like it connects to you, even if it's Myers-Briggs or something else. You know, I think that uh, seeing yourself reflected and being like, yeah, I really do care about, even in my personal life, like I love to set up people to be friends, uh, there's been a couple couples that have met at a cake scene party, which is like my ultimate joy. I want to have a cake scene wedding so we can do a wedding cake issue. Not that we need to wait for that, but that would be like my ultimate connection in that way. Um, I just think that's really fun. 
I blacked out at a wedding cake issue because I got so excited, but I swear I was, I was about to say something and I completely blanked. Um, well, if that's not a, that's a, I very much agree that the, the wedding cake issue should happen. Um, yeah, I think, um, that'll bring us back to cake for sure. If we don't come back sooner. Perfect. Well, we have uh, journeyed a little bit in this convo, but I feel like it's better now. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I've blacked out this entire conversation. So I hope we've <laughs> been talking about things that are of interest and helpful. I think that like the concept of pursuing joy that I think about with this work is that um, so much of my work I'm trying to find the right way to phrase this. Hmm. There's a tension, I think, between doing what you love for a living, especially in a freelance capacity, because there's always the opportunity to be taking on more work or to be looking for different work and the lack of security that comes from that. And I think that because I love to write and I also write about things that I find really interesting, um, that's like the biggest blessing there is, but at the same time, you can run the risk of burning out on things that really fuel you. And I think that the concept of cake scene that is really rooted in joy for me is that our goals, I think, are pretty simple. They're to make something that's weird and special that nobody else could make, to work with people we admire and compensate them for it, and then to just be expanding what we're doing and doing things that feel fun to us. So although I'd like to have a lot of money and be paid to do this project, it's not that I'm doing this project for income. It's just for the joy behind it. And I think that that means that we don't have to be quote unquote, like selling out in certain kinds of ways, you know, and that we can really be letting like, does this feel exciting, fun, collaborative and generative to us? Like, yes, that means that we should do it as long as we have the resources to do it. And that's really helpful. I think even in a personal life to be doing something like not because you're trying to get a side hustle or optimize it or monetize it, but because you find it to be fulfilling and fun. What are the bitch marks that you use in the creation process to make sure that the work still feels fulfilling and fun? <laughs> Vibes. Um, I mean, like making the new issue was really tough. We got like 350 just written pitches, probably 500 if you count images as well and we publish 17 pieces maybe and it's print so like we can't it's a financial and a physical limitation on how much we can print and so at first we pulled out tanya my co-editor did the amazing thankless work of pulling out like 100 pitches right off the top that were about cake or they weren't about humbleness like things that were totally off tone that we just couldn't consider and then from there we went through them and we spent a lot of time talking about them. Like, is this expanding the concept of what is a pie that we have in this issue? Um, is this a format that we want to be running, like fiction, which we've never done before? We have two fiction pieces in this issue because my co-editor Tanya has a fiction background. She really wanted to do that. And then, like, who is this writer? Are they someone we haven't worked with before? Are they adding like diversity to our lineup in some kind of way? And then from there, when we had a short list of maybe forty. Is that when, that's when we took it to our editorial board and have everybody make their dream lineup and then talked it through from there. So I think that like having those conversations about, um, you know, we have such limited space, like how can we be making an issue that feels cohesive, but also 
varied. I think that like the pleasure of the issue is that it's kaleidoscopic of every issue. You pick it up, you know this concept, but then you're surprised that in Wicked Cake, there's a piece about the, is it real or is it cake, deep cakes and how unsettling they are to see a video of like somebody slicing a pair of jeans. And it's actually cake. You know, I like, I love that because I didn't think anybody would think of that when they picked up a magazine called Wicked Cake, but it is so funny to talk about the uncanny valley and being unsettled in that kind of way. So vibes. <laughs> I think like tangible metrics, right? Who is this person? What is this topic? Mixed with can they achieve what they're setting out to do? And then like that's like how the content itself comes together. But then I think the editorial conversations are very much like, are we excited by this? Mm. Do we have time to do this? And those are much less tangible and more vibe-based, you know? I love that. Um the health metrics that me and my team have um, are around the true essence of health. Like, how are you doing in your body? How are you feeling? Are you feeling inspired? Are you feeling heavy? Do you need to take a nap? Uh, and then the next metrics is, um, is the work fueling you? Like, do you feel mm -hmm. like what we're creating here is adding value, adding support, adding connection to your life. And I want more. Hmm. I want more spaces that are work or work adjacent because this does seem like it is work. Like it is fun and you get to hang out and create work with beautiful people that you are respecting but it's still work. And I want more workspaces to use that as a foundational pillar when they're building their systems, when they're building their team or, or they're even building their mission. Yeah, I really like those two questions. I think it's really interesting to hear about how you do it. When we do retreats or when we like gather with our uh, you know, extended core team, we always ask like, this is stereotypical, but if you were, what pastry, do you, what baked good do you feel like today? Which I think is also a nice version of that, you know, because you can be an ice cream sandwich that's like a little soggy, but you have a lot of good stuff inside of you, or you can be a gooey chocolate chip cookie because you're feeling a little emotional that day. I think like that's a fun one to add in. What kind of baked good do you feel like today? Today, um... Today, I feel like a biscotti. I feel like I'm durable. I'm not going to like crumble easily, but that at the end of the day, I need to be like dipped into a warm liquid so I can disintegrate a little bit. <laughs> How about you? Today, I feel like a puff pastry uh, with like a, Ooh, like whiskey. a, yeah, with like a Chantilly cream inside. Like it's light and it's sweet and it's unlike anything else and it's classic. <laughs> That's what I'm feeling. I love that. I Thank love you. that as an energy and as a pastry. Thank you. Well, uh, Eliza, this has been thrilling. So thrilling. Um, uh, when I reach out to folks to do this podcast, it's a hundred percent like gut, like, oh, how does my body feel about this? And what I was, my background is not editorial. It's not writing. It's not even food. <laughs> 
And so when I felt so drawn to reach out to you, I was like, what is my body doing? <laughs> like, what is the connection? Because I see the value in your work, but it's just not sort of my space. It's not my corner of the universe. And uh, and I feel like you opened up my mind to a whole new part of the world. And I'm so grateful. That makes me really happy. I think that like, maybe something I've been dancing around is that we don't think of the magazine as like a food publication specifically, or that it's just for food people. I think it's for anybody that is like interested in food in the same way that they would be interested in another part of culture. Um, and that's why we're so interdisciplinary and expansive in the work that we do, because I think that over the past, I don't know, 15, 20 years, there's been a huge shift in the way that we consume food, especially here in America, but all around the world and the way that people would consider themselves to be food people. You know, we're not necessarily just for people that are bakers at home. I don't bake at all, really. Um, or people who call themselves foodies, like have all their restaurant alerts set. I think it's just for people that um, are curious and like maybe a little unusual and think it would be fun to read a magazine called Humble Pie. Well, Eliza... Um, I ask a question to every person who comes on the show, which is, um, what is one practice that is helping you discover who you are? Mm. Can I shut up too? Sure. Okay. I would say that, um, dance music and like going out dancing and seeing DJs perform is something that was really core to the past couple years of me figuring out who I am. Um, and then in general, I think getting into a headspace where your body is occupied so your mind can be at rest is really a core part of my creative practice if I'm trying to think about how I want to write about something or just working through ideas. And um, that's something that like professionally is not really part of my work. But I think if you know me as a person, like that's something that I do a lot and I still find to be really generative and helpful. But recently um, I got into hot yoga, which I think is like a similar version of having your body occupied so your mind can be at rest. Um, only maybe it's a little bit more pure in some ways. So I think like both of those practices are uh, something that I sit with a lot. Ah, oh, thank you. I am um, one of my, I have my summer bucket list over here. It's on a piece of paper on my wall. And one of them is go to a concert. Uh, <laughs> I haven't, um, I haven't gone to a concert since before the pandemic. And even before the pandemic, I felt very overwhelmed by them, just like from a very sensorial space. And I couldn't figure out how to enjoy them. But I knew that there's something about them. Like there's something about being surrounded by music and movement and experience. And I think it was like a personal control thing. Like I think I was trying to control mm -hmm. the experience. And uh, the reason I put that on my bucket list is because I want to go to an experience that someone else creates in its entirety and just let it happen. Yeah, it's like beautiful and immersive. And you also can the people watching is always so good, but I do, I get that it's overwhelming. You know, I bring earplugs always, and I also bring sunglasses always. And I think that like having ways that you can kind of, uh, not put up a wall, but control the way that you are existing people and like taking in sensations might, is always helpful to me. It might be helpful to you too. Mm. 
Thank you. Thanks for, I didn't even know I needed permission to do that, but I think I did. You don't need permission, but maybe hearing someone else do it will inspire you to do it yourself. Totally. Uh, well, Eliza, this has been a blast. Uh, can you share, um, assuming that Humble Pie is out <laughs> when this episode drops, uh, where can folks find the project? Where can folks find out about you and your work? Definitely. Well, it will be out if probably just shipping direct to you, maybe for pre-order for a few more days by the time this comes out and you can find Cake Zine and our previous issues and Humble Pie at www.cakezine.com. We're on Instagram at cake underscore zine. And then you can find me on Instagram also, Eliza Ray, which is A-L-I-Z-A-R-A-E. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Not Yet. The podcast is hosted by me, Paige Polk, and produced by Paige Polk International. The show art is made by Elizabeth Olguin, and the music is by Elder. Don't forget to subscribe here. And if you want more of this love in your life, visit notyetseries.com to join the Not Yet Project and community.